Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Joe Ginny. This is Ambassadors at Large. So today we have a very serious question, which is, is North Korea funny? And the, it raises a really, it's an interesting, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a stupid question, but it, it raises a really interesting issue, which is, can you make fun of a, a totalitarian regime's bombast, uh, even while knowing that that totalitarian regime is a totalitarian regime that does terrible things to its people? So I'm delighted to, to introduce, uh, once again, uh, two of my good friends who, along with me, were journalists at UN headquarters uh, for sev- several years, and... Uh, encountered the North Korean delegation firsthand and had to deal with North Korea issues and have plenty of stories uh, therein. Uh, once again, Julia Gronovit and Dan Hernandez, uh, welcome once again to the podcast. Thanks, Joe. Hey, friends. <clears throat> Good to be back. So uh, uh, we just spent Sometimes it's hard to set up a, a phone call where we're all talking to each other on uh, in different continents, and we just spent about an hour doing so. So I'm sure that y- you both will be delighted to know that North Korea has invented a um, a hangover-free alcohol. This is from this is from the Pyongyang Times. Koryo liquor, which is made of six-year-old Kaesong Koryo Insum ginseng, known as being highest in medicinal effect, and the scorched rice, is highly appreciated by experts and lovers and is suave and causes no hangover, end quote. So um, that sounds great to me, and I, wow. I raise a glass of, uh, of my Lafroig 10 uh, to, to North Korea. Um, it would be awesome if this existed, but... Um, but this is North Korea, and it almost certainly doesn't. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's like their, their it's like their hydrogen bomb or something like that. You know, it's more press release than reality. <laughs> Remember when they claimed to launch a, a a satellite into space, and even though it it crashed into in, into the the Pacific Ocean, they just kept insisting that it was up there broadcasting yeah. patriotic so- songs. I remember that too, and then I also remember you know one of our colleagues. Um, imitating the sound of those patriotic songs from the bottom of the ocean <laughs> in front of the security council. I mean, it was just like, it was, it was so funny, but it was also so wrong in so many ways. Mm. I'm not, I'm not going to like imitate like patriotic songs underwater myself, but if either of you feel like maybe, maybe singing some underwater patriotic songs. S- several previous attempts to make this call produced noise that sounded like North Korean patriotic <laughs> songs. <laughs> broadcast underwater <laughs> i want to get back to this boozy uh breakthrough that they've had the um is this in response to having the luxury goods sanctioned they can no longer have high-end brandy oh right that was that's you remember right that? joe i think you you remember this better than the rest of us i mean i was there for the tap dancing uh debacle but i think the high-end uh, liquors was before my time uh, well, the, the, there was a there was a really big question as to whether or not they would be able to import cognac, which is pretty critical to the regime's survival. Like they can't, huh. like that. That's <laughs> so. So that was a really big issue, and it was also a major source of income for for the makers of cognac because because really, especially under Kim Jong Il's days, uh-huh. they really imported a lot of the stuff. Huh. I mean, North North Korea inv- claims they do a lot of things like this. They they last year they announced that they'd invented uh, a, a vaccine called Kumdang Two, which could cure AIDS, 
drug addiction, cancer, MERS, and Ebola, and like six other things. I thought that was uh, <laughs> I thought that was like um, the Egyptian government that had invented like an HIV AIDS curing kebab or something like that. The, the Gambians, the Gambians oh. invented, yeah. Um, uh, Yaya Jame, the president of Gambia, claimed uh-huh. that he'd invented a, a, a lemon juice-based uh, cure for AIDS. And oh. when the World Health Organization asked him if uh, if they could test it to make sure that it worked, he threw the head of the WHO out of the country. Egypt claimed to have invented a machine that cures AIDS as well as hepatitis. <laughs> and the Egyptian Daily Show was trolling them about it for weeks and that was really what ended up getting the, you know, the Egyptian John Stewart. Uh, oh right! Kicked off the air, and so the world will never know. This brings us back to you know the the central question, which is you know is North Korea funny? And you know if if a if a, an Egyptian comedian can be so funny that he's actually a threat to the regime, like if satire is just really corrosive to the regime. Um. I mean, there must be a reason we've never heard of like a North Korean comic. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's, that's the other thing. North Korea is, un, un, I mean, North Korea is, is you just, you can't be a satirist in North Korea. Like in, in Egypt, it's now becoming harder and harder, borderline impossible to do that. But it, it's, there's still pockets of freedom. North Korea is a, a totalitarian Orwellian thought police state. Mm. And, you know, if you live in North Korea, you don't have the opportunity to make fun of this regime. But what about the rest of us? I mean, it's a cheap gag, and and we're not in any danger unless we're trying to make a film. Um, mm. and when, That's right. And we're uh, whichever studio it was that released the interview. Um, I haven't seen that yet. I should see it. Is it okay for us to make fun of them, knowing that they do terrible things to their own people? And they do. I mean, they starve their people by the millions in the '90s. They rather than create uh-huh. any kind of economic reforms that would threaten the elite when they when they purge high level officials they don't just purge them they strap them to fence posts and fire anti-aircraft rounds at them like they're they're pretty they're they're an awful regime yes but here's 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 my my carefully hoarded my carefully hoarded point uh i would say yes it is totally okay to make fun of north korea because charlie chaplin made fun of hitler Damn it, you stole mine. Oh, you were going to say that too? More or less. Uh, well, because I also would say that making fun of them is the opposite of showing them respect. And there's a certain power to to satire, to blatant mockery. And obviously, they don't like it. If you look at what happened with the Sony hacks, um, they took a very defensive uh, approach to that. Um, they freaked out at the UN every time there was some sort of reference to their um, to them being anything less than the only Korea and all of that. So yeah, I'd say it's okay. It can be a bit ghastly at times to the way people enjoy uh, the creepy propaganda culture. You know, people like kind of giggle like it's so crazy the way they just pretend this and that and but then beneath that people are like oh and then they deprive people of food and freedom and it's not as funny yeah i, I draw the, i draw the line at like famine jokes like that's, that's not, not yeah. that's, that's not, not good humor but like making fun of the actual propaganda itself which is patently ridiculous like 
North Korea, this this alcohol mm. does not is not hangover free. There is no such thing. Heaven knows Lafroig Ten, which I'm I'm sipping at now, is not hangover free. I've learned this myself uh, in present company, actually. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, and and, and Kumdang Two does not cure AIDS. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. But but they say that it does, and and it's a it's a tactic of regime control to force everyone to repeat it. You know. But do they know that they're funny? No, I don't know. I mean. Speaking of, you know, as a Norwegian, um, I'm going to, you know, question basically ethnic jokes and, like, funniness, because I personally don't find Norwegians hilarious. I mean, something, there's nothing, like, inherently hilarious about being Norwegian or, like, the Norwegian way of wearing sweaters and stuff like that. But just the other day, I was reading a New York Times article about the fact that Norway finally has a new uh, ambassador um, after something like two or three years without an ambassador. And even the New York Times, I mean, like, the New York Times spent the whole article just making fun of Norwegians just simply for being hilarious. You know, there was just something so inherently funny about Norwegians that, personally, I can't really see what Can it is. Can you give me an example? No, it was just about how, like, you know, oh, there's no problems in Norway. Oh, all Norwegians do is wear sweaters, you know. The thing about the campfire obsession is pretty funny. Um, like, when the most popular show in Norway was the one where the guy is, like, tending a fire. Slow TV. <laughs> Slow well, TV. that is funny. Yeah. Um, but I think the reason know it's funny, too. But but here's the thing, though, is that, you know, we don't really generally know that we're funny. We don't, we don't, when we walk around wearing sweaters, we don't know that that's funny to Americans. I don't think that Korea has, like, a concept of, of, of funny government or funny, even a culture of comedy you know that's why people have to like smuggle sitcoms from south korea to get their laughs i mean yeah the, the state does have like propaganda comedy shows but they're so bad that like no one watches them they, they're just not funny at all because it's i mean that's the thing is like you, have you seen them uh I, I, reliable sources tell me they suck um, I don't speak <laughs> Korean, so I can't really tell. And that's the other thing. I mean, this is, it's, it's not really a, a, a Korea thing. It, this is a North Korea thing. Mm-hmm. Like the South Koreans don't, you know, th- it's a totally different dynamic. It's, you know, it's a democratic state. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's very different. It's, it's specifically the, the outrageousness of the propaganda in the North. And it's not just a North Korea thing. I mean, we can make fun of, you know, the government of Turkmenistan too, because they're, they, they also have a, a sort of cult of personality where they're, you know, they're, but they're I mean, the like they're, they're asking race, for the it. They have, they have a gold, yeah. they have like a golden statue of Gerbongli Berdy Mukamedov. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was, that was, that was pretty close. Right. Um, uh, <laughs> give or take a syllable or two. Um, the, What's his real it, name? It was actually his, his predecessor, uh, Niazov, had a golden statue that rotated, so his face always faced the exactly. sun. Exactly. Oh, that was what I was going for. All the months after his relatives. <laughs> I mean, that's just asking for it. That's like way beyond the sweater. I mean, that's just like, it's it's beyond funny. So, so I, I now one question I have is, does the regime, I mean, there is this thing that I like to call the Idi Amin effect, where a regime will, will make itself ridiculous to undermine how terrible it is in the international media. So like huh. the, like Idi Amin would play up all these eccentric claims about him, his, his claim, you know, cannibalism and, and just, you know, conqueror of the British empire was part of his, you know, master of the Lords and fishes was part of his title. And people would be like, ha ha ha, Idi Amin, tin pot, crazy dictator with like a steel plate in his head. And, 
and would ignore the fact that he was slaughtering hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, is so, that what's so, going on? Do, do, do we not do we not do something about you know to, to try to make North Korea a better place because we're just making fun of them? Maybe it's all part of their you know their very carefully crafted image of kooky and crazy. So you just don't know what they're going to do. You know, I mean, like they are a pretty tiny and powerless country. But the one thing that they have going for them is that no, like nobody can like. They're not really a rational actor, so who knows what they could get up to if they were pressed. I think there's something also that's like very quaint to Americans and Westerners in general and about a country where the government can make these absurd claims and it could have sembl- a semblance of veracity, you know, because there's just no freedom of internet or, or speech, really. And, you know, it's just sort of fascinating and incredible to people that they can ostensibly get away with these claims and I think it just kind of tickles people which is you know I'll admit kind of disturbing but um that's a factor I mean like I actually saw an interview with Seth Rogen during the press for um what's it called you know the interview the North Korean movie and he's like you know uh unabashed pothead and, and they're like so you know a lot about North Korea and he's like oh I've always been obsessed with it I've always been fascinated and he listed a few of the famous like uh, propaganda claims that such as Kim Jong-il had a hole in one the first time he ever golfed and he had a hole in one on every single hole you know he he, he, he golfed in 18 um, and stuff like that so I don't know yeah there, I don't know what my initial point was just that like a, even a comedian who doesn't really care about, you know, foreign affairs is sort of fascinated by this country and the situation. And, um, I mean, he went pretty hard at them, and it was, I thought it was a pretty hilarious movie myself. How did you feel about them, their decision to, spoiler alert, by the way, if anyone's going to see it? Uh, not, I am totally going to see it, but go ahead. Uh, to, to, to off Kim Jong un at the end. Because I've, I've thought about this a lot, and I'm not entirely comfortable. I mean, I'm, in, I'm, I'm actually quite comfortable making fun of, of this regime, and I think that it does some good to... It's not exactly like speaking truth to power. There's no courage in me making North Korea jokes on this podcast. But it, it does highlight how absurd this degree of governmental control is and 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 it's it's kind of like you know from harry potter the thing that finally defeats a boggart is laughter mm. um if they're just not taken as a serious actor in the international community apart from 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 a security perspective but um but i'm not entirely comfortable with the normalization of the idea that we could just off somebody else's leader like when i was growing up I watched both of the Hot Shots movies, and I watched the the team, uh, the not Team America, um, the uh, South Park movie, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. And combined in those f- three movies, Saddam Hussein dies four times because he dies twice in in South Park, um, and he dies in both of the Hot Shots movies. And that I think for a lot of Americans, that you know, sort of like offing of Saddam casually on camera normalized his his eventual execution in two thousand and six. <laughs> But nobody ever made a movie, you know, where they, like, fake assassinated Osama bin Laden before it actually happened. There was a movie that had George W. Bush fake assassinated. It was a TV movie. Yeah. I remember that. 
Um, I remember that, and that was nobody, a big deal. Nobody yet, nobody yet has mentioned the ultimate assassination scene in a film, which was when Hans Blix got eaten by guppies. What? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, there, Hans, like right Hans Blix's tiny, tiny yeah. figure, um, his tiny puppet got eaten by guppy, by like tiny sharks or something. It, it, it Team America, America. Yes. World Police. Yes. Um, <laughs> Kim Jong Il has has him fed to the fishes, quite literally. Um, and, don't tell me you haven't seen this. I is this from Team America? Yeah, I've seen yeah. it. Yeah, I don't okay. remember it very good. well though. Well, it's hilarious because he he just ends up in in the shark tank with his tiny tiny little briefcase. And fundamentally, this actually leads to my my biggest defense of of making fun of North Korea, which is that. All things are kind of funny if you look at them in the right light, <laughs> to some extent. Like making fun of the UN for its bureaucracy. Like, like prior to that, Hans Blix announces that if he's not allowed to see North Korea's weapons of mass destruction, he will be very angry, and he will write a letter to to North Korea telling North Korea how angry he is. And it's a very funny scene. And then, of course, he's fed to to the fishes. Um, but. Um, but what's but it's funny because it actually captures a fundamental truth of like the limitations of the UN because when North Korea violated the UN sanctions resolutions, the Security Council did exactly that. They were like, "Hey, we intercepted these this arms shipment going to Iran. What's the deal?" And the North Koreans freaked out just like they did in the movie. They were like, "Security Council statement: We will do a nuclear test." <laughs> they detonated a nuclear weapon in response to this. It was just like. Yeah, a letter from the UN Security Council being like, "So we intercepted these weapons. Care to explain yourself?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <"Rah!" laughs> like that. It, it that movie captured a truth about the way the world actually works, and I think making like just looking at North Korea's propaganda, understanding what it is, understanding how terrible this regime is, but also understanding how ridiculous it is, I think helps give us sanity in an insane world. So that's my defense of making fun of the North Korean regime, even while they do terrible things to their own people. I endorse it. I think we're all in agreement here. Victory. North Korea is funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I I thought I kind of stacked the deck by inviting you both on because I knew the answer would be yes. But I've talked to people who are just like, no, North Korea is not funny. They starve their citizens. They're a totalitarian regime, and I'm just like, yeah, but they're a little funny, just a little bit. It's it's a special kind of ridiculous, I would say. <laughs> Dan Hernandez and Julia Granovet, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We, we spent about three times as long trying to get on this podcast as we spent actually podcasting but uh, i thought this was an important topic it, it, was, it was also my fault details uh what are we doing next time guys what, what should our next topic be yeah what should our next topic be? we could do like the weird and surprising uh un cultural uh phenomenons and just like i would i would love to just sit back and just remember um, the weird things people said, the weird parties, the the international incidents that kind of unfolded in this little patriarchal community there, um, in awkward ways, yeah. and just it is a kind of patriarchal community, isn't it? It's sort of um, the 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 male ambassadors outnumber the female ones like ten to one. Yeah, and if you're a female journalist covering these, you know insanely arrogant diplomats you're just bound to get treated either like 
shit or like a sex object and that's just one episode I mean I, I mean that's just one one example I mean the way they treated it, it, it was just it's, it's so old school the whole it is very old school the whole community and that's one of the I mean it's one of the things where North Korea and the United Nations are in some ways a perfect fit for each other because they're both things that are kind of from the 1950s <laughs> and, and haven't really they, they were birthed at about the same time and uh and, uh-huh. and they kind of, in some ways, they haven't changed. Like, the UN still has ashtrays in the, the Neither the can die while the other still breathes. <laughs> <laughs> I think North Korea could go. Um, but then the UN would have no, absolutely nothing to do. Yeah, yeah that would be I, terrible. I was, and that's another thing. Japan would quit donating and they would have no purpose. Exactly. And Japan would realize that they would never get a permanent seat on the Security Council if North Korea If come. North Korea didn't exist, Japan wouldn't need a permanent seat on the Security Council because that's their only major I should just stop. We should like the more the more we talk, uh-huh. the, the the more damaged all of our potential political careers will be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe that ship has that ship has sailed. But <laughs> yeah. Thank you both for coming on the podcast. This was quite fun, as usual. And uh, and uh, once again, you can find the podcast online by uh, searching in the iTunes store for Ambassadors at Large. You can subscribe for free. You can also find the podcast online at joegenie.com. That's J-O-E-G-E-N-I.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back with another episode real soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Ciao.